But I do think one of the things that polyamory has given me and this journey has given me is a lot of tools for communication that can actually make that ending either better or less inevitable because you have different ways of, you know, de-escalating a relationship that isn't working in a certain context or in a certain way, you know, de-escalating it or evolving it into a different form of a relationship or connection that does feel more mutually healthy for everyone. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 212. We're Finn and Emma, and it's a Monday! Monday. Special bonus Monday episode, which we're excited about. Can you tell? I can tell. (laughs) It's electric in here. So exciting. Uh, Today, we have an awesome interview with Luna. She shares her journey exploring non-monogamy with us and how it has inspired her to start an amazing new community-based app. Yeah, the app is called Bloom or Bloom Community, and it is a consent-forward, sex-positive, social, and dating community app. And it's pretty awesome. We've been on there for the last month or so. Uh, our virtual meet and greets, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, are listed on there. And we've met some really great people. And actually, some of them have joined our Patreon community after finding us through Bloom and through Luna's app. So Yeah, how awesome is that? It's, I think it's awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. And um, yeah, it's a great app and just really love the work that they're doing. And we're excited to help them spread the word and help them grow, help help the sex positive community grow. So thank you to Luna and everyone at the team over at Bloom uh, for the work you're doing. We greatly appreciate it. And one final quick thing on that, uh, we like to just be transparent about who is paying us to talk about their stuff and who is not. Bloom and Luna are not paying us in any way, shape, or form to promote this. This is something that they reached out to us with. We've been checking it out for the last month or two, really loving what they're doing, and just want to help spread the word. So we like to be transparent about that. And now I will stop talking and hand it over to Emma. And after you finish this episode, go check out Bloom. Yes, because, (laughs) well, you can find people who are signed up for our virtual meet and greets. Yes, Yes, Well, exactly. might as well talk about our virtual meet and greets. Sure. So that, perfectly. We're going to do a couple of announcements. They call that a segue. A segue. In the biz. <laughs> and I ruined the segue. Well, I wasn't going to. I didn't. <laughs> hold on. I did not say that. Uh, anyway, virtual meet and greets. We have two upcoming virtual meet and greets. One is this week. It's this Thursday night, December 9th. That's from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern time. We have another one coming up on December 17th. That's a Friday, also from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Eastern time. And our virtual meet and greets are, I don't know, just come join us. Super fun. They're open to anyone. All you need to do is be open-minded and non-judgmental. And sex positive and consent forward. All of those things. Consent focused. Yes. So if you want to sign up for the meet and greets, head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community events tab and you will see a link there to do so. After you sign up, head over, download the Bloom app. Yes. And you will see other people who are already signed up. You can chat with them ahead of time, get to know them and build a little pre-community community. 
community. Yes. Yeah. Super pumped. And if you happen to miss the ones in December, we'll have more virtual meet and greets in January. So don't worry. Yes. And if maybe the virtual meet and greets aren't your jam, or you heard us mention Patreon earlier and you got all excited and you're like, ooh, great, another podcast talking about Patreon. <laughs> We'll keep it very short. Ours is 100% community focused. We've grown to almost 200 members. It's awesome. So a huge thank you to everyone who's a part of that community. We do monthly virtual Q&As. We have a men's call and a women's call. And we do an online MeWe chat group as well. So everybody can stay in touch, get to know each other, and support each other throughout the entire month and year yeah and however long you want to stick around and check it out so to check it out go to our website normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the patreon button all of the information is there and thank you in advance for your support of the show and for helping us build an awesome community. Yeah, it's amazing. We love this community so much. The other thing we wanted to mention is we do have some in-person meet and greets coming up that we're working on planning. The only one that we've officially announced is New Orleans on February 7th, but more will be coming soon. Uh, go to our website and sign up for our mailing list to be the first to know, be notified when we announce those. Yes, and... With that, I think we'll head over and talk to Luna. But first, we wanted to just remind you, if you have any feedback for us or if you'd like to reach out to us in any, for any reason, uh, head over to our website, click on the Contact Us tab, send us an email, send us a voicemail. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you come on the show, and we'd love to get to know you. Yep. And uh, we will also just say that Luna will do a much better job of describing Bloom than we did. <laughs> So stay tuned stay to tuned. stay tuned towards the end of the interview for that. And again, we hope you check out the app. Uh, it's fantastic. And now let's go talk to Luna. Well, welcome Luna to the show. We're so excited that you're here tonight and we're excited to talk to you. Uh, I know that we know a little bit about you, but not much. And the listeners don't know anything. So we'd love if you could start by introducing yourself. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm Luna Ray. I'm 31. I live in the Bay Area. Uh, I identify as polyamorous, queer, kinky. Um, I'm also the founder of Bloom Community, which is a sex positive social and dating app where you can meet people at events. Yeah. Awesome. And I have been, not to say Emma hasn't or won't, I've been spending some time on Bloom, <laughs> so I'm excited to talk more about it later. It's awesome. I'm just going to throw that out up front. But, <laughs> Um, it's okay. I know you've been on there more than I have. It's I know. Okay. We got to split okay. up the tasks. Yeah. We can't yeah. do it all. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I guess what uh, what does non-monogamy look like maybe for you today? And maybe take us back to like, uh, wh when did you get started? How did you get started? Yeah, I'll start with the like getting started and then bring it to the today. So Perfect. Um, I just really first got curious and started reading some books about non-monogamy or like early days when I had sort of started to hear about it. I made a couple of friends through Burning Man in the kink community uh, who were very open about their relationships. And I was at the time I was looking for models of healthy, open relationships, healthy, non-monogamous relationships, because I knew some folks who didn't have necessarily healthy ones, who had don't ask, don't tell policies or um, lack of communication around what's okay until after it happens. Um, and I really didn't want to be, you know, following in those footsteps. I was really looking for models that, that were much healthier. Um, and these friends in, in the Burning Man kink communities um, really just helped me understand, you know, sort of ways of being and, and doing, you know, all according to like the polyamorous model of um, open relationships. Uh, and that's where I started kind of watching 
walking down. So I, I ended up finding this poly women's happy hour on Facebook, and I thought it was going to be a support group for polyamorous women. And I, it was in the mission in San Francisco, and I just went. Uh, and when I got there, I learned that it was actually the pre-drinks for a play party run by an organization that no longer exists um, called Organ House. Um, Organ House was a young non-monogamous organization in the Bay Area up until COVID. And this, this, the women that were at the, this event, women and non-binary people, were really, really cool, attractive, confident. They really seemed like they had their shit figured out when it you know, comes to open relationships and non-monogamy. Uh, and I was like, I want to be in this club. Uh, at some point, everyone sort of dives down the rabbit hole. And that was my, my headfirst dive, just getting involved in Organ House. So, yeah. yeah. So I have a, I have a follow up on that, which is, and you don't have to disclose this if you don't want to, were you brave enough that night to go from the pre-drink party to the post-drink party? <laughs> That's a funny question. Um, the, the pre-drink party was actually, it was a couple of days before the event. Okay. And I think okay. I, I was out of town that weekend. The event that it was a pre-drinks for, by the way, was called Girl G. <laughs> um, getting renamed to be more gender or it was about to be renamed to be more gender inclusive but then they never had another one but the the spirit of it was that it was like a, a femme leaning non-binary and women's event yeah. Um, yeah awesome and before we jump forward a little bit and continue your journey i'm curious too did, growing up did you have any influences around uh, I guess, models of non-monogamous relationships other than what you said, like the ones you knew were not great. Well, and yeah, what, and just sorry to like jump on that, but like what you, you saw in ones that weren't great, like what about that drew you in to be like, well, this is intriguing enough to like look for better models of it. Yeah. Um, so I live in the Bay area and there's a lot of like jokes on TV these days that like everyone's poly and that's not exact. that's not really not true, but there's a lot of open relationships and people sort of experimenting with different forms of open relationships here. And there has been for you know a decade or more, you know, in, in a large, like for, for many decades in, in a small subset of the population and, and, and probably a decade at this point for a, a pretty large subset of the population. And so I just knew like, like everyone had like experimented with it almost in some form. And I was kind of interested in my own experimentation, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, but I also was aware of the fact that, you know, people who were in partnered relationships and started going down a path of exploration without having good communication tools in place and good expectations set seemed to get themselves into trouble in their, in their like, you know, pre-existing relationships or relationship. And so I really wanted to just have a, a see a version of it that that didn't look like a shit show, right. <laughs> so, you know, frankly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I jumped over Emma's question about. Well, she kind of answered it. Already. Okay. Like, yeah, I guess yeah, growing yeah. up in the Bay Area was sort <laughs> yeah. of not model. Okay. My apologies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's it's a different. It's just a different part of the country than a lot of the yeah. a lot of the rest of the country, yeah. uh, and so it's maybe more. Um, a little more commonplace, I'd say. Right, right. Yeah. And so what's, like, fast forwarding all the way to today, what what does your non-monogamy world look like? Yeah, I currently have one partner, and I have had a couple of other partners over the years. Um, I have a few what I call sexy friends, really, because there's no good term for this. But these are people whom I have a wonderful friendship with, who I also sometimes have a sexual or romantic relationship with. And in you know monogamous culture, people might call that a fuck buddy. Um, I think the emphasis for me is really on the friendship. Like these are mm-hmm. multi-year connections that show up more like friends than partners in my life. But there's also a really lovely, healthy, mutual, consensual sexual connection with. 
Yeah, that makes total sense. I like that too. The shift away from fuck buddies mm-hmm. a little. First, it's a little harsh, but then, like, yeah, it really put the the emphasis on yeah, this is a friendship. Friends with mm-hmm. benefits, a, in a way. Amorphous friendship. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think yeah, friends with benefits also I think trivializes the friendship a bit. I agree. But, um, mm-hmm. You know, whereas these people for me are, are first and foremost friends that I have had for you know over the last couple of years and hope to have as friends for many years into the future, regardless of whether that sexual relationship or romantic, you know, connection continues. Um, but who I really value as friends in my life. But again, like they show up more like friends than partners where there are certain expectations for friends in your life and certain expectations that people tend to have for partners. And they fall more in that like friend place, um, from a commitment and like, you know, communication standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. So going back to, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of you, what you called it, the girl, or- not like, girl orgy, girl G, girl G, <laughs> terrible name. Uh, but I, it's funny too. Uh, going back from like, from that experience, what, what does your journey look like from there? Um, from there, it was really just making more and more friends in the sex positive community out here in the Bay area, which has a lot of overlap with polyamorous community. And, just getting tied into more events where I had opportunities to meet more people, learn from different people who had different forms of relationships. Um, I think it's it's been really interesting to see how many how diverse relationship structures can be, uh, mm-hmm. and every time you know I think I've seen it all like something else comes up because I think you know for as many ways as as you know humans can exist in in a lot of different configurations of relationships, there's just so many. Th- different possibilities. So that's, you know, now today I have a lot of friends in what we call sex positive community and, you know, a lot of different people with like different degrees and types of connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And through that couple of years that you've been looking, like looking at this a little closer and, and moving through this journey, like has the way that you've approached it, like, changed and morphed like day one it was like this and like you're like well day day two that day, day one didn't work very well like we need to change it up a little bit yeah I mean I think day one was very naive you know as everyone who enters into this world you know early on you've got ideas of like sexy threesomes or whatever um and and the reality is that when you start to open yourself up to the possibility of, of true like romantic relationships, things are actually a lot more complicated. Um, and even threesomes are more complicated than you'd think they would be. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I think there's been a lot of lessons along the way. I think, you know, if you're, if you aren't interested in a lot of personal growth, I wouldn't recommend trying to be ethically non-monogamous. I think, you know, the, the, the folks that I am in community with out here, you know, spend a lot of time really examining their emotions, like learning new ways of communication, like nonviolent communication, really looking into your darkest shadows and asking, like, why are these things coming up for me? Because, you know, non-monogamy and some of the challenges that comes with it really just bring up things that already exist for you. Um, but sometimes they come up in, you know, in, in really like scary and surprising ways. And then like, you know, some of the other things that I feel like I've learned are just some of the nomenclature that, exists within the poly community out here. I say out here, I'm sure it exists in other poly communities other in other places. I just don't know what those poly communities, um, how they how they live and exist because I don't know them. But like, you know, people talking about boundaries, not rules, you know, boundaries being things that I place on me. 
rules being things that I place on you. And so, you know, learning to communicate with partners and in relationships about, hey, this is my personal boundary. I'm not going to engage in this way. Like you can do X, Y, Z, like you do you, but then I'm going to, this is how I will respond. Not, oh, you can't do X, Y, Z. Where, you know, right. that, because that would be a role. Um, and so like thinking about it in the, like, I have influence over my life and my choices and my partner is like an independent being. Yeah. I think another thing that I've really been, uh, overjoyed to learn is like a very different model of consent and that I than what I was brought up with. Um, I think broadly in society, the narrative is shifting a little bit from one that's a much more, more of a model of like, no means no, where, you know, the, the responsibility is on the person escalating mm-hmm. to, you know, to today's model is the, the, the responsibility is on the person escalating to check in for an affirmative yes, rather than expecting the person who is being escalated on to say yeah. no. Um, yeah. And I think there's a lot of reasons why that's a really good thing. It's, it's certainly been very empowering for me to have, you know, sexual connections where that is the norm going in rather than the other way around and in sort of like the old model of consent. Yeah. So that's a, that's a lot of answers there, but I think there's a lot of things that really have changed for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a huge one on the consent, right? The difference oh, yeah. between like, well, Hey, you didn't say no to like, mm-hmm. I was checking in and like, you said, yes, you said, yes, you said, yes. And yeah. maybe this one, you hesitated a little bit. And even that's enough to be like, mm, that's a not, that's not a yes anymore. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very fortunate to be connected to the, the community that runs the Orgy Dome at Burning Man. And they've pioneered sort of a, a consent uh, talk that they give to about 7,000 people every year that come through the Orgy Dome. Uh, and it really emphasizes that, you know, the, the yes is a very sexy word. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that affirmative yes is a very sexy word, as is a no, because then mm-hmm. you know where that person's boundaries are and you know what's safe and you know what they're mm-hmm. really here for. Um, and celebrating that yes um, and celebrating the no, like both of them are actually really good things. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's huge. I think I, as you were saying that, I was like, well, what about the no? And then you said, and the no is also sexy. I was like, okay, yeah. good. We're on the same page. So I yeah. love that. Um, it giving the space, the, the person, the space to, to say whatever, either one. Yeah. 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 Inviting it. And inviting yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned that you have seen yourself grow a lot of different ways and that, <laughs> that if you're going to be exploring non-monogamy, you kind of need to sign up for growth. And I, yeah. I couldn't, couldn't agree more with that. I, I feel like, People who, um, non-monogamy is not right for you if you don't want to grow and push yourself. <laughs> it's going to be painful. It's going to be painful if you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm curious for you, like, what, what are some of the ways you've seen yourself grow? I think about the world totally differently. I, I definitely apply a lot of my own learnings, to, you know, in this journey to the world that I inhabit. You know, everything from thinking about affirmative consent and boundaries in all aspects of life, like not just sexual, you know, in terms of how you engage with other people, you know, to nonviolent communication, which is a tool that a lot of people practice in the context of their non-monogamous relationships here. But that's also very relevant just in having a conversation with friends or coworkers, you know, to understanding the impact of attachment styles and how they affect all types of relationships, not, you know, just romantic ones. Mm-hmm. You mentioned nonviolent communication. I'm just going to pick at that a little bit because I, well, Finn and I are familiar with it. We haven't had many people talk about it on the show and it's something if you're comfortable with, I'd love for you to dig in a little bit and what, what does nonviolent communication mean to you and and what have you learned about it? So there is a book 
called, I think, nonviolent communication. Yes. Um, links, will, links, will, <laughs> links will be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, that I'd recommend people read. I think, you know, there's there's a there's sort of like a base level of like, hey, if you're going to do this thing and want to do it well, like these are the books I'd recommend you read. And I would say nonviolent communication is probably one of those. I, it's been a while since I've read it. The the basic idea is that you're you're taking you're taking responsibility for your emotions in the in the course of the conversation. And so when you're having, you know, a conversation with someone, particularly a conversation that's challenging, thinking about how you phrase what you're saying. So it's like it's both say, you know, I hear I hear you saying this. Uh, the impact that what you are saying is having on me is this. And then kind of and framing it more, you know, not like oh, well, you, you hurt me. And like the responsibility in that one being on you, it's like, oh, well, the words you said, like, this is what they meant to me. This is like how I heard it. And this is my, this was my reaction. And so like really, um, you know, taking a step back from, from framing it in a combative light and putting it more in an understanding and a curiosity light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that was an, actually a terrible explanation of nonviolent communication. So I'd recommend people read the reading book. the book. <laughs> reading the book, exactly. Perfect. No, and yeah. and and so I was. I mean, we're kind of like, I feel like a ping pong ball. We're all kind of all over the place here, but it's all right. Um, I was curious. Like, we grew up in a place where, let's call it the opposite of the Bay Area. Um, yeah. If if there in were a such a place, and so like we didn't have any models of this around us growing up. At least not that we knew of. And so, like, there's a challenge there of, like, we don't have any models. Mm -hmm. I feel like on the on the flip side, if it's all around you and it's sort of ubiquitous that you're, like, I don't know. I feel like, in a sense, I could almost be overwhelming that, like, mm -hmm. there's this way and this way and this way. And, like, I'm never going to catch up to all these people who are, mm -hmm. like, so amazing at communication and all of the different things you need to do. Like, how, like, how was that for you, like, being sort of embedded in like the like ground zero for it so to yeah. speak um so I also grew I grew up in upstate New York so there there wasn't any of this where I grew up either this is a total shift for me as well um and actually that it's actually the case for a lot of folks in the sex positive polyamorous and kink communities out here a lot of queer communities as well are not necessarily from the bay area um, mm -hmm. and have just found their home out here uh, and so part of it's also building family along with that. I think that like, you know, what it's like to be in it, it's really wonderful to have partners who have also read some of these books. You know, it's also, it's really wonderful to have, you know, to be having conversations about consent, you know, not, not in like the, oh, we should be like, like in a, in a very positive way. That's like, Hey, this is really important. And also how do we share this with other people in other places. It's, it's lovely to be able to, you know, talk about, oh, this is this thing that I'm working on. I'm reading this book and this is my insight from it. And then to be able to have those conversations with, you know, people who are out here, there's a lot of folks who I think nerd out about relationships and communication. Um, I'm definitely one of them. Uh, there's a friend of mine, um, Misha Bonaventura, who runs Bonobo Network, has led a book club on Polysecure. I think she's she's read the book five times and read and led the book club, like at least a few at this point for just mm -hmm. different um, chapters of or different groups coming through Bonobo Network, um, just because she's so personally passionate about that book and it's been so helpful for her. And I think, 
you know, I think there's just like a really awesome desire to help people like level up their skills in a sense. Like not that there's actually levels because we're all like learning as we go, but there's a, okay, I, I feel like I'm, you know, understand this thing really well. So people will just host support groups and lots of different ways to, to kind of learn and process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And funny fact, we, uh, I know that's not going to be in the right order, but we did happen to interview Misha yesterday. Oh, really? uh, yeah, and, and so I'm not sure if your interview, which one of your interviews will be out first, but they're going to be close together. And Spoiler alert. Not I know. So I knows. spoiled it. I spoiled it. <laughs> but uh, it, she did mention the polysecure and how she's read it five times. So you had it all right. We, we heard that directly from her yesterday. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. We're we, fact, fact checking her. Right. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. So fantastic. So yeah, yeah, no, it was, it it is a fantastic book. And I would just say for anybody who hasn't read it, I would recommend reading it. I tried listening to it on audiobook. And what I found was I would just drift off thinking about how applicable what I was listening to was like to what I'm dealing with or what's going on. And then I'd miss something and I'm like, well, now I got to back it up. But like, if you're reading, like you can just stop and think about it or, you know, so that'd be my recommendation um, is to read it, not listen to it. It's not a very long book. And I do think most of the time in that process is just the like, oh, wow. Huh. Oh, that's what, that's what was happening there. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Well, and that sort of leads into something I was curious about. Like it's been a few years that you've been delving into non-monogamy, like relationships you had before, let's say the enlightenment, um, (laughs) if we're going to be as as humble about it, like how would you maybe like contrast like who, who Luna was in those relationships and how those relationships went versus like how you approach them today? Interesting. Um, I think, um, I think there's just challenges that come up with non-monogamy that don't exist in the same extent in monogamy. Um, You know, because when your partner has other partners, there's going to be like insecurities that surface that probably wouldn't have surfaced if if it was a monogamous relationship. You know, the fear of, of loss, the fear of rejection, the fear of loneliness, of abandonment, like all of those things come up in a way, um, you know, it's, it's, your partner can always leave you whether you're monogamous or not. You know, that's, that's, that reality is there, but there's certainly a different visceral reaction when you see your partner with someone else who they really care about. And so I do think that, that, you know, early days, me on this journey was like very reactive to that. Um, and very, you know, in, on, in attachment theory, you would call that anxious and, and, you know, kind of me along the journey is more like, okay, yeah. And, you know, that's great that they have another partner, you know, and like to, to just be more accepting of that, to do less of the things that feed into that anxious attachment style and just being, you know, more aware of it in myself, um, and how it shows up and, you know, putting, putting breaks on relationships, you know, intentionally where that, that anxious thing is coming up for me personally, my, my attachment style tends to lean anxious, um, so that I can get to a more secure place without, um, kind of, you know, going off the rails or, 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 or suffering too much from like the, the self-imposed anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what's interesting too, is like, 
in monogamy, like it's it's easy to be like, oh, well, these these feelings are more pervasive if you're in a non-monogamous relationship. I think what happens a lot of times, that fear is so ingrained in all of us that a monogamy is a way to be like, well, I don't have to think about that anymore. Like we're married. My partner won't leave me because we're married. They won't be interested in somebody else. We're married. And then when you really look at it, you're like, no, they, those things still happen. Like, it's not like they just forget about it, but I think it's easy to be like, I don't want to deal with that fear. So we'll just lock this in, close it up and pretend that no, no one here will ever be interested in anybody else. Yeah. And and I've, I've been through, you know, really close friendships that have gone through divorces or or separations of very serious relationships that were monogamous. Um, And, you know, the lesson in that for, for me was, well, these things do end sometimes you don't, nobody ever really wants them to. You certainly don't want to it to happen when you're getting married, right. Or even moving in together or at any point in time, you're not looking for that thing to end. But I do think one of the things that polyamory has given me and this journey has given me is a lot of tools for communication that can actually make that ending either better or less inevitable because you have different ways of, you know, de-escalating a relationship that isn't working in a certain context or in a certain way, you know, de-escalating it or evolving it into a different form of a relationship or connection that does feel more mutually healthy for everyone. Um, And unfortunately in a monogamous context, you know, if two people get married and they move in together and, you know, suddenly they realize that they actually hate living with each other, but they still love each other. There's not good models of like, oh, well now we're just, we're just going to live in separate homes, but still remain married. Like that's totally socially unacceptable. And and, in polyamory, that's like totally fine. Um, Right. So you know, and there's like words to describe, you know, the two talking about that there's de-escalation, there's evolving the relationship. There's all these things that, and concepts that these things can be acceptable because a relationship can take different forms than the traditional escalator, you know, uh, move in marriage, kids, death. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think usually it's move in, marriage, kids, and then in your forties, start looking at swinging, and oh, then right, like right. that's what we that's what we tend to see happening. Everyone's like, well, oh, now right. that the kids are out, let's think about this a little bit differently. <laughs> I think it's I think there's a lot of people just falling under the like, yeah, we're in an open relationship, or I'm ethically non-monogamous, and yeah. then like, and then that's the conversation started. Like, well, well, what does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. Rather than like, I'm a swinger, I'm poly, like yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm an open relationship or I'm not monogamous and like, yeah. let's talk about it. And I think it's interesting because it's like, you can say you're ethically non-monogamous and you're right. It does. It is the start of the conversation. And then the next part of the conversation is like, not just what are you open to, but what is that other person open to? You know, if you're starting to have a conversation about a connection, the words become really challenging because now it's, it's not just like, what is my identity? It's like, what is my identity in relation to you? too? Or or what is the way that we're going to define the space that we're kind of going to play in romantically together? Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and maybe I'm curious, like on your experience with that, like when you tell somebody, and this is a thing that we've always a little bit been afraid of when we like tell people who we haven't told in the past, like, Hey, friends that have known us for 20 years, we're in an open relationship. We're non-monogamous. The fear is like, you're hitting on them. Or because I'm telling you, like, I'm only telling you for a reason rather than like, we're just talking. And so like, when you're in that space and you start talking to somebody, 
there's like this expectation, like, oh, you're talking to me, I'm talking to you, we're both now monogamous. Hey, I guess this is just going to happen now. And like, that's not necessarily yeah. how it works. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's also like a little bit culturally, I think differences maybe between where I am and where you are. Like if mm-hmm. I were to go to a non-monogamous person in the Bay Area and be like, I'm non-monogamous and they would be like, me too. There definitely wouldn't be an expectation that now we're going to have sex because then I, they're just like everyone. Right. So um, the orgies on the streets all over San Francisco. That, that's all that would be happening. I mean, it's not terribly untrue, but like, <laughs> it's not totally true either. Um, I think the other thing that the consent model that's cultivated out here and is like still evolving is, is, you know, is, is talking about is the fact that there shouldn't be expectations in any engagement, right? There shouldn't, whenever you're talking to someone, whenever you go to a sex party, you shouldn't expect to have sex. Nobody's entitled to that. When you're having a conversation with a non-monogamous person, you shouldn't expect that they're also open to sleeping with you just because they're non-monogamous. That's like ridiculous. You know, a monogamous person goes on a date with someone they shouldn't expect to get, to get laid that night. That's also ridiculous. It's really about like, you know, what are the things that we're both open to? What are the things that we're both mutually excited about? And, you know, again, doing that together because <laughs> with, with the mutual excitement of all involved. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I love it. And I think maybe it's a, it's a good place to sort of lead into safety. The, well, safety, but I think safety is really tied into what you're building at Bloom and yeah. like, what, yeah. yeah, what your motive, like, what was your motivation for founding Bloom, getting it started, and, like, maybe starting with what what is it, um, so people <laughs> kind of have an idea yeah. of what, yeah. what the hell we're talking about, but, yeah. Yeah, so Bloom is a sex-positive community that meets up at events. Um, we are right now live in the Bay Area, launching really today, actually, in L.A., um, so it's, it's currently middle of November, so whatever this airs will be fully live in L.A. Um, Congratulations, and, by know, the way. That's super exciting. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and really, you know, even though we're like launch, we're live in those two cities, what that really means is that those are where we are um, actively working and partnering with event organizers in those cities, where we are also accessible around the country, and we have members in almost every single state at this point who are using Bloom to meet other sex-positive people. Um, and obviously we're working together uh, on your virtual events. And so what we're trying to do as well is bring in a handful of virtual events to help people find community, you know, all around the country. Uh, you know, people who are looking for sex positive, kinky, poly, ethically non-monogamous, um, queer, et cetera, people. So, you know, you know, what are we fundamentally? We're, we're really just a, a group of people who believe that consent is really important. <laughs> Um, who believe that, um, you know, communicating your desires and your yeses and your noes is really important um, and that respecting people is really important. So those are, we actually have three community values. Um, we have an app that supports all of those connections and holds people kind of to that, that standard of accountability. And then we partner with event organizers to make it really easy to meet those people. So uh, event organizers will, will add their events into Bloom. They will tell their community about um, Bloom, and then those people can come in, they can match in the app. And so it's a mutual opt-in consent-based <laughs> connection to, to chat one-on-one. And there's also a community chat that happens for every event as well. So um, it's a very long explanation, but yeah, TLDR, we are a sex-positive community that meets up at events. Yeah. So. And I think 
Well, maybe somebody listening says, well, that sounds like meetup, like meetup.com, right? Like, it's definitely, there's a lot of differences there, but how would, like, what do you feel like, is that your close, like, if somebody was like, I'm trying to, like, visualize this, is that the closest thing to what you think? And, like, maybe what sets you apart from your your nearest kind of competitor, your nearest, yeah. yeah. Similar app? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it, depending on what lens you're looking at it as, like, so you could call us Tinder for events, okay. where you have that option to come in and match with people before events. We can be a replacement for Facebook events if your community is still using Facebook. We are a replacement for Meetup as well. The, the core distinction really is that we lead with sex positive values, and we aim to build a community around those values. Mm-hmm. And so it's the, the main distinction actually is that the people you're going to meet on Bloom all share these values. Right. Um, and there's nowhere else that you can really go where that's true. Um, you know, a little bit fat life, but fat life is very kink centric. We are kinky mm-hmm. inclusive, but, um, you know, I would say centered more broadly around sex positive values. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it makes total sense. And like, it's a big difference. Like, and when you go and look at all the different events that are going on, it's very focused on sex positivity, a lot of non-monogamy stuff, a lot of LGBTQ. Yeah, we, we do have a lot of events that are in, I would say, in the realm of like sex positive or sexy events. Mm-hmm. We also have a lot of events that are just for sex positive community that aren't in any way, shape or form sexy mm-hmm. or, or, you know, yep. that we have park meetups where you can go and just meet people who are sex positive. Um, we have... Uh, concerts. We just did a collaboration with Rachel Lark, who's a sex positive musician out here. Um, we have, we'll do festivals. Um, what we, we did a collaboration with soul play, which was a, um, like consciousness heart centered, um, festival. So, you know, a lot of different opportunities to meet people and, um, and opportunities to discover like cool events because they I only really put things in bloom that I think are pretty cool. So well yeah. we're honored. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and what like what was the I mean the motivation for it for I was you? gonna say, where yeah. did you get the idea? Um so since I had started identifying as polyamorous and queer, I had always met people through community and through community events. And when the pandemic hit and I tried online dating for the first time in my life. I was just horrified, (laughs) Um, you know, unsolicited dick pics from people with penises, strange behavior, dehumanizing swiping, like all of these things just never happened when I was dating in community. And I really wanted to meet sex positive people that treated me well. Like that was all I was like really looking for. Um, But that was almost impossible to find on the internet. So, you know, one of the things that I had observed from the communities I had been in was that they have these dual mechanisms of community values and defining those community values and then self like community reinforcement of those values. And, you know, the community will also not continue to invite people to events who aren't able to uphold those values. So if you have repeat consent violators, they will, you know, not be allowed to come to events and and in some communities will be a lot of work done to help them, you know, learn. But I really wanted a dating app that actually took on some of that as well, that had those community values, that had the reinforcement of them, because I felt like there was just so much to learn from the communities that put in that work. So that's what we are doing at Bloom. Yeah. I, I love, love it. it. <laughs> and, and I think too, like the accountability, like that's kind of what you outlined there, right? That's, it's, it's community accountability. If, if you show up into the community space and somebody's being creepy, mm-hmm. they're going to be ostracized from the community. And so there's, 
there's a lot of self-policing that happens in there. Yeah, we, I mean, obviously our, our top priority is to keep the community safe. Um, you know, Bloom is clearly a woman and queer-led com- company because I run it. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I care a lot about is providing the safest place to meet new partners and friends. Um, mm-hmm. And specifically, really, the, the safest place through technology, through software, because, you know, the safest place would be like in your friend's living room. But um, you know, <laughs> right. short of that, if you're if you're going to be using a dating app or a social app to connect with people, um, we want to be teaching norms around safety and and using the community to keep the rest of the community safe. Yeah. And I'm curious, where do you see? Obviously, hopefully, you want to keep growing, but where do you see Bloom in like three years, five years? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think. I mean, my my. Obvious hope is that we are an international, an internationally used app by sex positive communities. Now, what's interesting about that is that the term sex positive today is something that's like heavily used in the Bay Area and on the West Coast and not necessarily used throughout the rest of the country or even throughout the rest of the world, you know, let alone the rest of the world. And, and I'll actually define what I mean by sex positive. It's a little late, but I've been talking about it a lot. So sex positive is really the, the lens of, of looking at and viewing sex as something that is healthy between two consenting adults and normal. Um, and a lot, of the, a lot of what comes with that from like a values perspective is really the, the values of Bloom that you know, consent should be affirmatively sought and given you know, and obviously knows very clearly respected that communication comes with that, that respecting of all of that comes with it. So my hope kind of long-term is that we have just a giant sex positive community on this app. That means that today people who don't even necessarily identify as sex positive, but hear these values and think, oh, wow, I actually want to meet people who also have those values, um, will join Bloom and eventually maybe start They'll, they'll maybe start to identify as sex positive or, or, or learn about it. And so, you know, today the, the world of sex positive community or people who would self-identify as that may not be that big, but I actually think that there's a lot of people who share, who, who want to live in a world in which, you know, consent is a priority in any interaction and especially in an interaction that's happening, you know, facilitated by technology that may or may not be sexual. I, I think there's a lot of, of people that will, will want that. And so the, the vision for Bloom is just to continue to invest in, you know, people who agree and believe in these values and, and in bringing them together in one place. Well, I'm excited for it because, yeah. like I said, I've been on there a little bit and, yeah, it's it's awesome already. So thank you cool. for yeah, thank you for building it. Too. And, yeah, we're excited for it. Is, is there anything we haven't talked about, haven't asked about that you yeah. wanted to definitely cover today? Um, either about Bloom or about your own personal journey. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I think that, yeah, we covered everything. Everything. Wow. Perfect. Awesome. I'm sure, I'm sure there's more <laughs> stories to tell somewhere. but Oh, always. There's always. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll bring you back on for the one-year update. Bloom will okay. be international. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be awesome. So. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing everything that you did with us. Yeah, thank you. And we're back. A huge thank you to Luna for reaching out, sharing your story with us, and all of the incredible work you're doing over at Bloom. We're excited to keep spreading the word and get more people to come check the app out as well. Yeah, and uh, more and more of our events will be showing up on Bloom as well. So the New Orleans meet and greet will be on there. Our virtual meet and greets will continue to be on there. And uh, our West Coast tour will definitely be on there because they've launched into multiple cities in California so far. So Super duper excited about that. 
stay tuned for more on that from us. And don't forget to sign up for our virtual meet and greets. There's one this week on Thursday, the 9th of December, and one on December 17th as well, and there'll be more in January. To sign up, go to our website and click on the community events tab. You'll find all of the information there. We can't wait to meet many more of you at these events. All of you. All of you. We expect at some point, everybody listening to this will be on the meet and greets. Hopefully. That's my goal. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty ambitious goal. And they'll be on Bloom. Yeah, that's a pretty ambitious goal, but why not? Let's go for it. Exactly. The other thing we want 100% participation in is... Patreon? Nope. Oh. SCUcheck.com. STD, (laughs) STI testing. (laughs) 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 SCUcheck.com. So if you're a listener to this show and if you're going out and meeting people, whether it's through Bloom, through our community, or any way that you found to meet other people in person, we highly, highly recommend getting tested for STIs so you can have informed, confident conversations about your status and your sexual health as well as the people you're meeting. The way that Emmy and I... Emmy, you're not Emmy. <laughs> nope. <laughs> the way that Emma and I do this is using a website called stdcheck.com. If you use the links on our website, you get to save $10 and it helps support the show financially, which we greatly appreciate. All of you who have done that and all of you who are going to do that after listening to this. It's super easy to find the links. They're on our website on the resources tab, also in all the show notes on your podcast player. And the only thing easier than finding that information is getting the test done. Super simple. You sign up online. It's quick, it's easy, it's low cost, and you get your results in about 24 hours texted to you so you can get them from your your portal. Yeah. It's sweet. Right? So go go check it it out. There's no excuse. No excuses (laughs) at all. I'd say actually, correction, the only excuse is if you got free STI testing somewhere else. But even then, you could still, (laughs) you might want to double check those results. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was just wanting to add that clarification because I don't blame you if you don't use the service, if you get free STI tests. We don't blame anybody for anything here. No. Sometimes we blame each other. That's a, that's a, (laughs) we're. We're going just we're, down we're, rabbit holes So here. what we're trying to say is in a couple of short days, we have another episode coming out. Yes, Bryson and Michaela. It's a fantastic conversation with two amazing humans who've actually been put in contact with us through Ryan. If you don't remember. Remember Ryan? He's he, like. He's referred half of our guests to us in the last five months. So yeah. uh, definitely stick around for that one. We'll see you back here in a couple of days on Wednesday. While you're waiting, go join Bloom, find our meet and greets, and connect with other awesome people in the community. Yeah. I think I think we've talked enough. I we'll continue it. this argument <laughs> after <laughs> after we stop recording. <laughs> Sounds good. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening.